Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. สวัสดีครับ Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program where we come together to learn the teachings of the Buddha. And in this program that meets on Sunday and Wednesdays, and these classes are recorded and you can watch them on the replay as well, we use this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, as our foundational text for this program. This is volume one, and we go chapter by chapter in this program, helping you to understand the teachings of the Buddha, not through belief, but through learning, reflecting to independently verify them and then practice them so that you can see the truth for yourself, that the mind is moving closer and closer to this enlightened mental state. So I'd like to welcome all of you to our class today because we're starting with chapter one. And you might have decided to read this chapter before class and or you may read it afterwards. You can get this book through the website buddhadailywisdom.com. From there, you can download it at no cost. You can also take that file and go print it if you like, or you can order this on Amazon because they have Kindle versions and printed versions as well. It's going to be really helpful for you as you progress in the program to be able to read the book and then also attend the classes or watch the classes on the replay because the book has an extensive amount of detail about each aspect of the teachings that I'm sharing with you to help you build this foundation in this framework of understanding the teachings of the Buddha. So the book's going to have a certain amount of detail, but then in class, I'm also going to be sharing a certain level of detail. There are certain things in the book that I don't teach in the classes, and there are certain things in the classes that I teach that aren't actually in the book. So the combination of these two things together is really wise to be able to learn and practice. And I suggest that you just read maybe 10, 15, or 20 minutes a day. There's very few chapters that take about an hour to read, but there's a couple of them that would take you probably about an hour to read. I don't suggest that you sit down and read for an entire hour, but instead you just read for maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then you kind of move off and do something else. And this way it's like taking a small little bite, chewing and digesting. And then a day later, two days later, you take another bite, you chew and you digest. And this will allow you to have that time to reflect on the teachings and independently verify them, think about them and start moving them into practice. Whereas if you were to sit down and read for an entire hour. This is a lot of information, a lot of content to take in. So it really helps to just take little bits and bites. If you are going to sit down and read for an hour and you do that like in the beginning of the week, you might decide to then subsequently come back and read, you know, for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time and then slowly digest the chapter that way. So it's up to you how you choose to read, but I just noticed that this works best and research and studies show that this works best as well. So feel free to get one of those versions of the book, either by downloading it or using Amazon to be able to help you. Today, this chapter, chapter one, is titled Universal Teachings, Love, No Harm, and Good Morals. This is where I'm helping you to see this connectivity between various traditions that have been shared and practiced over a long-term period of time. Because humanity has been in existence for quite a while, and this planet has to the best of our knowledge, been here for about 4.5 billion years. So even though we say it's the year 2023, in reality, it's like the year 4 billion, 500,000, something, 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 right? But it's just from when we started counting at the death of Jesus Christ, right? So that's what we use for our calendar. Here in Thailand, they use the Buddhist calendar. They have a different year. But by and large, humanity has been around for quite a long period of time. So we've had these different introductions of teachings along the way. And as you learn about humanity and you learn about the human mind, what you understand is that we learn through gradual training, 
gradual practice and we experience gradual progress. So any teachings that have come into the world, humanity as a whole, we've needed to gradually evolve and we've been gradually evolving to a better and better species all the time. And we're trying to help all of the world to get to this higher consciousness where our species can evolve. And that's been happening gradually over time that we've been learning new things about so many different things in the world. And we are gradually evolving in our understanding of things like certain ways of guidance for our life. And if you look at the various traditions that exist in the world, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Muslim teachings, and there's lots of others, even Judaism and others, you'll see that there's kind of these common themes among these various traditions and how each individual tradition talks about their teachings and how they're shared and the condition of those teachings nowadays is different from one tradition to the next. But what you're going to see amongst all these various traditions, if you start looking into them, is you'll see these three common themes of universal love for all beings, to do no harm, and to practice being a good moral person. You'll see this in Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Muslim teachings, and others. With Hinduism, which I just know a little bit about, which existed during the lifetime of the Buddha, there were practices of understanding the natural law of gamma, and there was meditations, which ultimately the Buddha understood because this existed during his lifetime. But he explained it in ways that others didn't explain it necessarily. So even though the natural law of gamma and meditation was happening prior to the birth of the, the Buddha, who becomes the actual Buddha, what he incorporates into his teachings and the way he explains it is very unique to his teachings. But nonetheless, there's certain teachings about loving certain beings and doing no harm and having good morals. And during Hinduism and during this time, even prior to the Buddha becoming a Buddha, there were Brahmin priests that were basically doing rites, rituals, ceremonies, and worship. And the common people who were working in the fields and working in stores and stuff like this, as they were having difficulties in their life, what they were taught is they needed to go to these Brahmin priests and pay money. And when they paid them money, they would do prayer and worship and other things on the behalf of the person that paid the money. They were taught as a commoner that they were unable to pray and actually communicate with any type of gods or anything like this. And they believed in multiple different gods during that period of time. So when the Buddha comes along and sees that this is going on, he realizes that this isn't what's going to lead to a better way of life because you can't go to somebody else and pay them to do something on your behalf and then you go home and your life gets better, right? We can't accomplish a better result in our life because we don't have the wisdom that we need to make wise decisions. The way that we experience improved results in our life is by cultivating our wisdom and then when we make better decisions, we'll experience better results. And this also bred a lot of corruption during that time frame too, because you might show up today to ask this person to pray for you and it's $5. And then you show up tomorrow and ask them to pray and it's $10. And you might say, well, why? And it's because I said so. This person just made the decision, right? So there's corruption sometimes that gets built into these kind of systems because people think that they can't do something and it's only these priests that can do it for them. So there was a certain amount of corruption that happened as part of that. But nonetheless, there was certain teachings that were being shared that were beneficial to the individuals. And some of these teachings get brought into what the Buddha actually shares. And during that time, they believed in multiple different gods. So by the time the Buddha starts teaching, he starts sharing these teachings that lead to liberation, to enlightenment, how to train the mind and how to get to this enlightened mental state where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. The mind can be trained to have focus, concentration, clarity of mind, and deep memory because you're understanding the pollutions of mind and you're uprooting that and getting it out of the mind and you're understanding that it's our own decisions that lead to certain results that we experience. And the Buddha's helping you to see that not through belief, which a lot of traditions are oftentimes based on. He's helping you to see it through guidance of understanding this natural law. And as this natural law is explained, you learn it, you reflect on it to independently verify it, and then you practice and see the truth that the condition of the mind is improving because the discontentedness is gradually diminishing. You see that something that once arose anger in the mind that 
as you train the mind, maybe now that same thing occurs and you only experience frustration. Then you train some more and that same thing occurs and you feel irritated or annoyed. And then you continue to train and that same thing is happening and you just feel peace and joy. You don't feel that anger that you used to feel in the past. And this is how you know you're learning the truth. So you're learning now, reflecting now to independently verify the teachings. You're practicing now, and then you're experiencing the results now. This is a very unique way of teaching that the Buddha was able to share because he was a fully, perfectly enlightened Buddha. He discovered the teachings by himself without the guidance of any teachers. He then dedicates the rest of his life from the age of 35 to 80 to share the teachings with others. So he has a lot of time to be able to share the teachings and make sure people understand them and get to the point where they experience the results. And then the teachings are preserved in such a way that countless more people get to enlightenment after his death. So he really speaks in a way that allows people to independently verify the teachings and experience the results for themselves. But during his lifetime, there was belief in multiple gods. And the Buddha talks about God in his teachings. There's this misperception in the world. There's this myth that the Buddha denied the existence of God. And this actually isn't true. He talks about different gods during his lifetime because that's what people believed in. But he also referred to this one particular god, kind of the god of all gods, which was Brahma. And he referred to this god as Brahma, like a Muslim might call this god Allah, or in English, we just say God. So in the teachings of the Buddha, he doesn't make God a central role in his teachings because it's not God who determines whether you get to enlightenment or not. It's your own decisions. It's this natural law of gamma of cause and effect or action and result. And the Buddha essentially puts the power in your own hands that you're able to learn, reflect, and practice his teachings and experience this improved condition of mind. And you can actually see that it's really working. So he delivers these teachings that liberate the mind Having drawn on some of the things that people were already understanding during his lifetime, he evolved humanity a bit further, but then explains it in such a way that is very clear, very concise, very precise, and he delivers this entire package of teachings that allows somebody to get to enlightenment and liberation, and they can see that they've actually done that. Then, about 500 years after the death of the Buddha, Jesus Christ comes along. Jesus Christ comes along and needs to perform all kinds of miracles in order to convince people who he was so that they would know that when he said there's only one God, that people would then believe him because they saw all the miracles. And then he's explaining like, hey, you know, essentially the reason why I'm able to do this is because of God and there's only one. So he convinces the vast majority of the world that there's only one God if people have an understanding of God. Some people, of course, aren't interested in that. And that's fine. You can actually still get to liberation. You'll see that in chapter 18, I share with you, and we'll talk about this when we get to that point, how you can get to enlightenment without a relationship with God, and you're able to do that. And then I'll teach you, if you would like to maintain a relationship with God, how to get to enlightenment in that way as well, because there's certain things that we've been taught growing up and our mind's been conditioned to believe that God's judging us or punishing us or rewarding us or that we should pray to God for certain benefits. We should fear God and all these other kinds of things, which isn't going to help you get to enlightenment if you continue to think that way. So I'll be able to teach you as part of chapter 18, if you'd like to have a relation with God, how to do that. But your enlightenment is based on your own decisions. And then if you're not interested in a relation with God, I'll teach you how to do that too, because some people might have hatred or anger towards God, and it's helpful for you to learn how to eliminate that so that you can liberate the mind from that. But nonetheless, Jesus Christ shares these teachings during his lifetime that help people to come to the conclusion where the vast majority of the world nowadays, if they have an understanding of God, feel that there's only one particular God. And of course, there's still some people in the world that think otherwise, but this is what Jesus contributed to the world as his main objective. But also in Jesus's teachings, there was a certain amount of moral conduct that he actually taught. And he taught universal love for all beings, where the Buddha might have said loving kindness and compassion. He taught, you know, love thy neighbor. And he taught about not harming. And he taught about good morals and kind of moral conduct. He even taught the natural law 
of gamma, of cause and effect or action and result. Jesus said, you reap what you sow. This is the natural law of gamma, just spoken in a different way than what the Buddha described it as. And then he even taught rebirth because he said, I will come again. This is the rebirth of Jesus Christ that he is saying that, you know, that he's going to come again. He's going to be reborn. So this is even the cycle of rebirth. And we see these other commonalities between teachings. And also where Jesus talked about him being a savior and a prophet or a messenger, he also talked about being a teacher. And he talked about, you know, not worshiping any false gods and things like this. And this is where I feel the Buddhist teachings really help an individual who might be coming from that kind of background. Because students who learn from me are typically coming from lots of different backgrounds. And if you've been taught this kind of thing, then the Buddhist teachings are actually ideal because there are no rites, rituals, ceremonies, and worship. You're not worshiping anything. The Buddha never said that he's a lord, even though other people might refer to him as a lord. And there's even some people that refer to him as a god, but Buddha never said that he was a god or a lord or a savior or a prophet or a messiah or anything like that. He was just a man. He was just a teacher who shared teachings, and he never taught anybody to worship him or anything. So you can actually understand Jesus Christ's teachings and not feel guilty or shameful or fearful that you're learning the Buddhist teachings because these teachings of other teachers help to kind of build us up to a point where we might be open to learning teachings like from the Buddha. There's even Christian priests and ministers who learn the teachings of the Buddha and live alongside of Buddhist monks. And they say it helps them to be a better Christian by learning about the teachings of the Buddha. So these kind of things can actually occur. And then we've got the teachings of Prophet Muhammad, which also have some of these same themes of universal love for all beings, doing no harm, and good morals. And what Prophet Muhammad contributed, among other things, is there's this discipline of prayer five times a day, which takes an amazing amount of discipline to be able to pray for five times a day. And there's also a certain amount of generosity that's practiced in the Muslim tradition, where it helps you to let go of selfishness and you give and you share. And all of these things can be seen as a natural progression of humanity as we're learning more and more about these universal teachings and these different traditions as humanity's mind is moving closer and closer to evolving our species. So as you learn about the path to enlightenment, you'll learn about these various teachings that the Buddha shared, how to get to enlightenment. But you might start seeing these connections to other things that you've learned in the past. Even if you learned with mom and dad and grandma and grandpa about not killing or stealing or having sexual misconduct or lying or taking substances that cause heedlessness. This is the natural law of gamma. And the Buddha explains this as part of the five precepts, but he explains it in a detail that we might not have understood from our caregivers in the past. So a way that we can look at this path to enlightenment is that we've really been on this path for perhaps multiple lifetimes that we're getting closer and closer to understanding certain teachings that are going to help us evolve as human beings. And just because we started out life maybe as a Hindu or we started out life as a Christian or a Muslim or in a Jewish tradition or other traditions, it doesn't mean that we can't now look at other traditions for input and guidance and wisdom and understanding how to continue to evolve as a better and better human being. If you understand that all these teachings are essentially guiding an individual to becoming a better and better human being, then what it comes down to is finding the individual person or tradition or teachings that really speak to you and help you to really see with clarity what we can do as a human being to improve our existence. So if it's Hindu teachings and that's where you get the most benefit and you see the clarity in those teachings and you have somebody that can completely guide you into getting to this better state of mind, this enlightened mental state, then wonderful. Or if it's Christian teachings or if it's Muslim teachings, wonderful. But also if you've learned these things or others and it's led you to the point where now you're starting to be interested in Buddhist teachings, you can actually learn the Buddhist teachings and see those other things as building blocks to be able to help you get to the point where now you're ready to learn the teachings of the Buddha. And this is maybe going to help take you to the next step in your evolution as a human being, not based on belief, 
but based on learning, reflecting, and practicing to be able to get to wisdom, because that's what's ultimately going to lead to the improvement to the condition of the mind. And one of the main reasons why I wrote this chapter, and I put it at the very beginning of the book, is because the vast majority of the people who learn with me are coming from other traditions. They're coming from other parts of the world. I do have students who come to me that are in Buddhist teachings, maybe in other traditions or with other teachers, and they're coming to actually start learning with me, and that does happen. But more often than not, they're coming from Christianity or other teachings, maybe even Muslim teachings or Hindu teachings or what have you. And this particular chapter was meant as a bridge to help you to understand that it's okay that you're learning teachings that are maybe different than what you learned growing up and that this can help you to observe that many traditions of teachings are founded in these universal teachings and these universal teachings can be common themes but if you can find one particular set of teachings that really guide you and help you to understand how to progress forward in life then this might be that tradition for you that can really help you because if you were in college or if you were at elementary school or if you were in some other learning event if you're going to learn about marketing for example you might have had three four five different professors but there's one particular professor that was really impactful for you and helped you to learn marketing or management or if you went through elementary school middle school high school or basically your first 12 years of schooling there might have been one teacher who was really impactful in your life and as part of that you really remember that teacher and they really helped to move you forward in life and what's important is that you find that particular teacher and that set of teachings. And for me, those teachings are Gautama Buddhas. Because they're not based in belief, that I can independently verify them and I can practice them and I can see the improvement to the condition of the mind based on what he taught and how you actually practice the teachings. A fully perfectly enlightened Buddha is going to be clear, concise, and precise about what it is that they're sharing. Where with Jesus Christ, even though I understand those teachings very, very well, his teachings were only delivered for about one to three years before they murdered him and they killed him. And unfortunately, he didn't have a, enough time to be able to share with individuals that once he died, that people would deeply understand what it is that he actually shared and be able to then communicate it through written text like what we call the Bible. So if Jesus would have lived out a full natural life and he wasn't murdered early in his life, then who knows what we would have actually gotten from him in terms of teachings. But nonetheless, he served his objective. He shared a certain moral conduct, which is very similar to the teachings of the Buddha. He connected it to what we would call the natural law of gamma, or you reap what you sow. He introduced just a little bit of the cycle of rebirth, and there's actually teachings and historical records that say he may have even introduced more than just a little bit about the cycle of rebirth that he might have actually shared a whole lot more than that. So Jesus did what he needed to do, but you know, we're, we're kind of lacking a certain amount of wisdom around those teachings because the people who actually wrote them down didn't necessarily recall them in the same way. And there's been lots of changes due to impermanence over time. And the same thing with Muslim teachings too. There's been lots of iterations of the Quran and Muslims sometimes aren't quite sure if what they're reading is truly what Prophet Muhammad taught or not. So if you find a set of teachings in a teacher that can really help you to understand these universal teachings, where you can learn and practice teachings to get to this more clarity about this path in life and how to move forward and evolve as a human being, that's what you would ultimately like to get to. And this chapter that I wrote in these universal teachings provides this bridge to help you walk across. Whether it's Hindu teachings, Christian teaching, Muslim teachings, or what have you, you can walk across this bridge and make your way towards a better improved life by understanding that you can learn the teachings of the Buddha and it will help you in life and it may even help you understand the teachings that you grew up with if you grew up with something other than Buddhism or even if you grew up with Buddhism learning with the clarity of the words of the Buddha in a teacher who can guide you can actually help you to get more clarity on what it is that you were learning as you were growing up. Another reason why these universal teachings can be so helpful for you is that if all else fails, if you're trying to put together the Eightfold Path and 
remember right view right intention right speech right action right livelihood right effort right mindfulness right concentration you're trying to remember the five precepts and all these other teachings that you're going to learn as part of this path if you're ever in a situation where you just can't quite figure it out and you need to make a decision you can always look to the universal teachings and if you can make a decision based in the universal teachings then there's a good chance that it's going to actually work out well for you where you can have universal love for all beings doing no harm and being a good moral person so the clarity in which the buddha describes how to do this to me is like second to none it's really clear how the buddha teaches about having universal love for all beings and doing no harm and being a good moral person and then these other traditions depending on the text you have the teachers you have how well they understand the teachings you might have a certain level of clarity there or not and what i'm suggesting is that you can find a set of teachings that are clear and a teacher that can really help you along to understand these teachings so let's understand what these three universal teachings are in detail as it relates to the teachings of the buddha because that's what i'm sharing with you is the teachings of the buddha and you can start connecting this to how you practice in daily life and then you may even see these common themes that I'm talking about. If you're familiar with other traditions, then you might see these common themes. If you haven't learned any other traditions throughout your life and you're just starting with Buddhism, outstanding. You're going to learn what it is that the Buddha actually taught. But you'll maybe see some common themes here from the universal teachings over to other traditions that you perhaps were exposed to. But it's really helpful to approach the teachings of the Buddha on their own merits. Sometimes when people are learning something new, they might think like, oh, that's just the same as this. And this is kind of like the way the mind can remain complacent is that if it associates that this new thing is the same thing as what I already understand, then the mind doesn't have to apply the effort and energy to learn this new thing because the mind's made up the decision that this new thing that it's being exposed to is the same as what it already knows. So this is unwise. I think every set of teachings, if you were going to approach Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Muslim teachings or others, it's wise to approach it on its own merits and then deeply get an understanding of that so that you can understand whether it's truly helping you or not. So this universal teaching that I'm sharing, and this isn't from the Buddha, these are three things that I noticed as part of the commonality amongst all of these teachings, is that there's this universal love for all beings or of all beings. This is what the Buddha teaches, this is what Hinduism teaches, Christianity and Muslim teachings and others, that we should have this universal love for all beings. And this is what the Buddha would teach as loving kindness and compassion for all beings, where Jesus would have said, love thy neighbor and other teachings like that. And I'm sure Prophet Muhammad and Hindu teachings, Judaism and others have their way of explaining that too. Well, then the question becomes, well, what is loving kindness and compassion? Loving kindness is active goodwill towards all beings without judgment, where you're not judging others and determining if you should be loving and kind to them or not based on your judgment of them. That's not what you're interested in doing. Instead, you would like to have active goodwill where you're interested in practicing, having a genuine interest in seeing all beings be well without judging whether this person deserves your loving kindness or not. But an enlightened being can be loving and kind with anybody regardless. It doesn't mean that you necessarily are staying in every single relationship because not every relationship is a healthy relationship. You may need to move on in your relationships, but at least you have the capability to have loving kindness or this active goodwill, this genuine interest in seeing other beings be well. This is loving kindness. We're going to talk more about this when we get into chapter 14. And I'm already starting to teach a four-part series on loving-kindness meditation because this is how you actually cultivate loving-kindness in the mind is through meditation. And then you practice in your daily life through your moral conduct, this loving kindness, where you have a genuine interest in seeing others be well. And you might learn to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful in all the different relationships. And that starts with cultivating your mind to be loving and kind so that then when you go out into the world, you're able to practice in that way. And then there's compassion. Compassion is the concern for the misfortunes of others. Whereas if you were longing and yearning for everybody in the world to be safe and you were worried and had anxiety about whether people are experiencing misfortunes or not, this would be 
the craving desire attachment that's leading to your discontentedness but also if you were indifferent and you didn't care what happened to other people and you're just like well it's their comma who cares you know they're making their own decisions so what i don't care right this would be the other side of things and you're not interested in living there because the mind isn't going to feel peace and joy in that state of mind either so you need to come to the middle where you practice this compassion where you have concern for the misfortune of others but you understand that each person's results that they experience in life is based on their decisions and you can't make decisions for other people you can share guidance you can share suggestions you can share wisdom if they have an open mind because if you're forcing or pressuring somebody to understand what you understand that's going to put tension in your relationship and people are going to go away but if you can maintain this middle with your loving kindness and compassion then you can have this interest in seeing all beings be well you can have this concern for their misfortune and be willing to share with people and help people along but you know that it's going to come down to their decisions because you are impermanent in their life and you can't make decisions for everybody they have to make their own decisions so the best thing that you can do is just kind of be in a parallel process in their life offer them advice offer them suggestions if they say yes what do you got and you share it with them and they follow your guidance wonderful if they don't then that's wonderful too that's fine they're making their own decisions and they're going to experience their own results but also if you offer advice and guidance and they're not interested in what it is that you have to share and they say no i'm not interested you need to be content and peaceful with that too because if your mind experiences discontentedness when they say no i'm not interested in your advice if you're experiencing discontentedness there that's because you have a craving to help them and you're not yet in the middle way with this compassion so you're going to need to bring this loving kindness and compassion to the middle otherwise there's going to be discontentedness on either side of that then there's this second one which is do no harm this is where in Gautama Buddha's teachings he teaches right intention and there's three aspects of right intention but focusing in on two of the aspects of right intention where he talks about practicing non-ill will and harmlessness where non-ill will is essentially goodwill because it's a double negative non-ill will is goodwill so this comes back to practicing not being interested to harm others or practicing this harmlessness where you're not interested in causing harm to others because if you understand the natural law of gamma of cause and effect or action and result then you start to come to understand that any harm that you put out is only going to come back to you and you can't escape that harm you can't run and you can't hide you're going to experience it in this life or some future life so a wise individual would come to the conclusion that if i'm putting out harm and now this harm is going to come back to me then let me figure out what is the wisdom of making wise decisions that i no longer cause harm in the world and that's where the eightfold path and all the teachings of the buddha he's sharing that with you to help you understand what things you're maybe doing now or what things you can do to improve so that you can now make wise decisions around things like your intentions your speech your actions your livelihood and others and this will help improve your decision making so you're no longer causing harm and you're practicing harmlessness and as you're doing this for a long-term consistent period of time you'll see that your personal professional relationships will blossom because you're not putting out harm to others and you'll see that your mind will become more focused concentrated clear deeper memory you'll have more peacefulness and joy in the mind because you'll understand with wisdom how to practice in the world where oftentimes we think we're doing wise things we think we're doing wholesome things and we're making certain decisions in life and then it blows up in our face and we're like left with not understanding why and we're conflicted of did we do something wrong did somebody else do something you know what is it that happened here what's the real problem and we're oftentimes struggling and having difficulties to figure out where is the real problem in this relationship and anytime there's a problem in a relationship you can be sure that there's issues on both sides oftentimes what the unenlightened mind is interested to do is blame other people for the problems that you experience in your relationships a person might think that a hundred percent of the problem is the other person 
But this is just the ego. This is just the conceit wanting to blame somebody else and thinking that I'm perfect and everybody else is the problem. But a wise person is going to understand that anytime a relationship has rub or has difficulties, then there's something that both people were doing that caused this relationship to no longer go forward. And what a wise individual would do, in my opinion, is look at the things that they did that contributed to this situation so that now you can improve that and you can get better for the future. Even if you come down to realizing that not that you would be able to do this, but if you came down to the conclusion that you were contributing to 10% of the difficulties in, the, in this relationship, well, figure out your 10%. Because if you can figure out your 10% and improve that, that means that in your next relationship, you'll be that much better. But typically, it's much closer to 50%, right? But even if it's 1% and the other person is causing 99% of the problem, even if it's just 1%, Figure out your 1% because then you're going to be that much closer to enlightenment. You're going to be that much closer to improving your relationships for the future. And you're not going to have difficulties and struggles in your future relationships. So where you're looking to practice harmlessness, you will practice that and you will try to do that the best of your ability. But you're not always going to be able to do that because you're in the process of getting to enlightenment. And there's still pollutions in the mind. There's still going to be certain harmful things that you do without necessarily realizing it. And that's where you reach out to your teacher or you consult the books or you come to class, you ask questions. There's lots of ways for you to get help that where you're having difficulties and challenges, you reach out to your teacher and get help. A Buddhist teacher is essentially like a life coach where we don't charge you a fee, we don't charge you money, we don't make decisions for you, but instead we're here and we're available for you to reach out and get help whether it's learning the teachings, whether it's applying the teachings in your life and you're not quite sure if you're applying them properly, maybe you're having challenges at work or in your personal relationships with your life partner, your children or others, you can reach out and you can get help. And then there's somebody that can advise you based on the natural law of gamma. Again, we're not making decisions for you. We're just sharing with you about the natural law of gamma and then you make whatever decisions that you like. So to get to this point where you're doing no harm, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. And you dial that in closer and closer, starting with right intention, where you set the intention in your mind that you're not interested in causing harm to any beings. And now you start focusing your effort on figuring out the wisdom behind this natural law of gamma of cause and effect and action and results, the results of your decisions about how to function in the world in a wise way that doesn't cause harm to others. And then this is where being a good moral person comes in because you're going to need to understand moral conduct in order to be able to improve your life practice and improve the results that you're experiencing, improve the professional relationships and your personal relationships. As long as we're unwise about our moral conduct and we're continuing to speak in certain ways or communicate in certain ways, we're choosing to act in a certain way, we're choosing to sustain our life and a livelihood in a certain way that's causing harm. If any of these things are causing harm, that harm is going to come back to us. So the Buddha is explaining in the natural law of gamma and as part of the Eightfold Path and the connected teachings of what is right speech, right action, right livelihood based on this natural law. And you're going to need to work to understand that, to learn it. Then you'll reflect on it and start to independently verify whether it's true or not based on your direct experience of past experiences that you've had. And then when you start practicing it and you bring your practice up more and more to that, then you'll be practicing this good, wholesome moral conduct. And again, you'll see your personal and professional relationships blossom. And that's how you know that you're headed in the right direction. And where you need help, you reach out to your teacher and ask for help. So it's these three universal teachings of universal love for all beings, doing no harm, and being a good moral person that's going to guide you towards becoming this better and better human being and allowing you to now experience different results in your life. Because whatever we were doing before, it wasn't working to a certain degree. We were experiencing a certain amount of discontentedness. We were experiencing a certain amount of challenges in our relationships and things like that. So we know what we currently know if the mind is unenlightened, it's not working or else we would 
have a peaceful and joyful mind all the time. But because there's discontentedness in the mind, then we know that, yes, we haven't fully cultivated enough wisdom to be able to conduct our life in a certain way that's harmonious and peaceful and joyful. So wherever we see that lack of wisdom, then what a wise person would do would be, let me learn the wisdom to be able to then function as a better and better human being. And whether you were learning this as part of Hindu teachings, Buddhist teachings, Christian teachings, Muslim teachings, or others, all of these are teaching some level of universal love for all beings, do no harm and being a good moral person. But the clarity and the preciseness and the conciseness of those teachings is different from one tradition to the next. But also within each individual tradition, each individual teacher is going to be teaching with a different level of clarity too. This is because of the universal truth of impermanence. So these different traditions are going to be more effective one versus the other, and different teachers are going to be more effective one versus the other based on the certain clarity. So where some people might choose to get together and decide that you know we are right and they are wrong, or Hinduism is right, everyone else is wrong, or Buddhism is right, everyone else is wrong, or Christianity is right and everyone else is wrong, or Muslim teachings are right, everyone else is wrong, and kind of having this fighting and bickering and arguing between all of these things, what I do instead and what I choose to do is I think about it that all these traditions have a certain amount of benefit and purpose in the world, and they all contributed something beneficial to the world. And what is important is I encourage each individual person to find tradition, to find a set of teachings, and find a teacher that is really speaking clear to you that you're able to then understand what it is that they're sharing, and then practice those teachings and get the actual results. Because there's connectivity between all of these things. And if you understand that humanity is evolving to this higher and higher consciousness, we're evolving to a better human species, then you can see these commonalities between all these traditions and that they're really guiding us towards an ultimate goal of experiencing a better way of life. Because what we've been doing in the past hasn't necessarily been working and now it's time to learn how to do something better. And if the Buddhist teachings are that something better for you and you would like to learn, I'm here to help anybody and everybody that would like to learn. And I start off the book with this first chapter so that you can start understanding that there's this bridge that you can walk towards and walk over in order to be able to now learn the teachings of the Buddha while still appreciating and having respect for anything that you've learned in the past. We don't need to degrade or denigrate other traditions and other set of teachings in order to learn something new. Oftentimes, this is what the unenlightened mind does is that before it moves on to a new job or before it moves on to a new relationship or something like this, we feel like we have to denigrate the thing that we're currently doing in order to feel comfortable to move to the next thing. We might feel we need to denigrate this person and diminish them and degrade them so that we can leave with our head held high and our chest out. But this is just the ego. Or we need to feel like we need to denigrate a certain employer, a certain boss, before we move to a new employer, and this makes us feel better about leaving. But in reality, this is just the unenlightened mind doing what it does with craving, anger, and ignorance. We can have appreciation and gratitude for individuals and traditions and teachings and people who have helped us in life and choose to move on and learn new things without denigrating people that have helped us in our life. And even though the mind may want to do that and it sees benefit in doing that, there is no benefit in doing that whatsoever. This is like burning a bridge. And if we burn a bridge, then we don't have that bridge to go back to if we need to. So we can choose to move on in life while not burning a bridge and we can choose to leave things in a peaceful way, in a joyful way. Oftentimes we feel like we need to stomp our feet and you know, smash in the mud in order to move on to something new, but this doesn't produce any beneficial results in our life. So this is everything that I had to share with you about this first chapter, because it's a fairly short chapter. It's one of the shortest chapters in the book. And I'm just going to open up to any questions that you guys have related to anything that I've shared today around these universal teachings and or anything else that you guys would like to talk about, because we just came through a series of classes where I was sharing a lot of detailed teachings around 
the three universal truths, the four noble truths, the eightfold path, and a lot of other things that you may have questions on those things as well. So you're welcome to ask questions about these universal teachings and anything and everything that you guys would like to ask about. You can put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom in the comment section. Our moderator, Chrissy, will see that and be sure your question gets asked. Or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and Chrissy will call on you and be sure that you are able to ask your question in class. Thank you, sir. Marcy has her hand raised. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Teacher David. Um, my my question is, I'm I, looking to get some kind of guidance on how to handle. I mean, Teacher David, your 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 guidance today has just been so beneficial to me, and it has brought this question where I have been told that um, my energy is too high and I do my job too well, and it's overwhelming the people I work with. And I'm uh, wondering, when you speak of like the denigration, which I kind of almost felt like that was something that I was kind of almost practicing, kind of like denigrating the old to kind of bring in a new kind of way of doing things. And my intention was to, you know, see the well-being of all people but I'm having a hard time kind of finding that that balance when they say things to me like your energy's too high, you're, you know, you do you're doing your job too well, you're making others feel uncomfortable. How do how do I balance that? What what guidance could you provide to me to balance that? What I would do in a situation like that is I would look at what you're doing. Obviously, you're interested in doing your job well. You're not going to do less quality work. But as the mind is waking up, it does have the ability to do things in a way that others aren't going to necessarily be able to do it, where you just see 10, 20 steps in front of you and you can just boom, 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 boom. Somebody else is still on step one or step two. And what you're looking to do as a leader, because I know you're an assistant manager in your job, what you're doing as a leader is not to just go so far ahead of everybody and you look back and the pack is all the way behind you. You're looking to kind of bring everybody with you. And in order to do that, you need to be able to do this slowly and steadily because people aren't going to follow you by your example if you just go, 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 go. So you need to kind of like gradually introduce things slowly but surely. And then as you see people picking up, you might be able to pick up the pace a little bit because probably what's happening is your staff is probably on one side, which is maybe a bit slow. And maybe you're on the other side, which is maybe a bit too fast. And you would like to come to the middle. And in order to come to the middle, you might have to walk all the way to their side. You might have to walk all the way to where they're doing things really slow, really methodically, still maintain your quality, but you're not executing so many quick decisions. You're you know, right where they're at. And then slowly but surely you bring them along with you and bring everybody to the middle because now they're willing to walk with you. Whereas if you're just go, 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 go all the time, then they may be intimidated by that. And they're like, whoa, we're not going to be able to do what she does. So there might be some craving in there that you're having. I'm sure there is to get this Mm -hmm. business up and running and back to where it needs to be because you're trying to perform and you might be trying to look good to your managers and look good for the store and be this success. You're chasing those pleasant feelings of, ah, I got the store where it needs to be. But you're not going to be able to get that done in a quick succession. It's going to be a six month, one year, two year thing. So knowing that it's going to be a long term thing instead of go, 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 meet your staff where they're at, meet them on their own terms, and then slowly but surely make your way towards the middle where now the staff has been willing to walk with you instead of you kind of pulling them towards where you're at. Thank you, Teacher David. I appreciate the guidance. Great deal. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. It doesn't appear like there are any other questions at this time. Okay. If we don't have any questions, we can end class. You know, these classes are scheduled to go two hours, but sometimes they end early. Sometimes they go a little bit later. This is all impermanent. So we don't need to have class. If you guys don't have questions, we can end here. If you have a question, you can put it in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or you can raise your hand in Zoom. Reading this book is going to be helpful for you. So as I mentioned at the beginning, be sure you read the chapter because what I've taught in class in some cases is not the same thing that I'm teaching in the book because there are certain things that I can explain in person that it's 
more challenging to write about. And then there's certain things that I can write about that are easier to write about that are more challenging to explain in person. So the combination of these two things is what's really going to create the most benefit for you. I can share with you the future classes that next Sunday we're going to be in chapter two. We're now going to be going chapter by chapter. And chapter two is titled, Why Study Gautama Buddha's Teachings? And you're going to see that this class is very different than other classes that we teach. Instead of me just teaching and teaching and teaching as part of this and opening up to questions, what I'm going to be doing is leading a group discussion. So those of you guys that normally attend Facebook, YouTube, and Zoom, we're going to be having a group discussion about this. You'll see what I write in the book about why I suggest to study the teachings of the Buddha. But when we come together in our group discussion, we'll be discussing how you feel about why you've chosen to study the teachings of the Buddha. So this will be an opportunity now that we'll be about six weeks into the program to open up the mics and open up our interactions between each other, get to know each other a bit and a bit about our life. So this will be a wonderful time to come together and get to know each other and have more of a open discussion where it's not just me talking, but it's other people that are able to talk as well. And we can have an open-ended discussion about why we've chosen to study the teachings of the Buddha. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to be sharing the second part of that four-part series where I'm teaching loving-kindness meditation. On this past Wednesday, I introduced you to loving-kindness meditation and I taught you how to do it and why we would do it. And we actually did a session together. If you haven't seen that you may be interested to go back and look at the replay on Facebook, YouTube, so that you can learn loving kindness meditation because that's an important part of your practice. So I'll be getting together with students on Wednesday to do loving kindness meditation. And I'm going to expand that and help you see some of the variety of how you can practice loving kindness meditation. And if you're not able to attend those Wednesdays, which some people obviously aren't because of work and so forth, that's where the replays come in. And you have that on Facebook, YouTube, and Zoom, and you can digest that content at whatever time you like. And in those meditations, even though you're attending perhaps through the replay, I would suggest that you still do the meditations because it's really helpful for you to continue to meditate and build up your meditation practice. So thank you all for joining. Thank you all for asking questions and being diligent and dedicated to learning the path. Thank you to Chrissy for moderating. And any of you guys, I know that some of you guys are starting to find ways to submit donations and things like that. I wouldn't ever ask for a donation, but I know some of you guys are starting to find that. So I'd like to just thank you guys for any donations that you're providing because that surely helps me to purchase things like Zoom and other things that I need in order to sustain this life and to be able to share these teachings with you. So I really thank you for that. And we'll see you guys in one of these future classes. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment. Enlightenment.